The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is indeed St. Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28, and it can be found on the page 1524 in the Pew Bible. Matthew 16, 21 through 28. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, they will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. This proclamation is tied directly to Jesus, his words, take up your cross and follow me. What would you think if I told you that I want to change up a few things around here to bring in more people? What would you think if I told you that I wanted to change the sign that we have out there uh, along Magnolia Street and I want it to read this in big letters, Come to Reformation Lutheran Church and die. What if I wanted 
to change the sign outside the building to read, deny yourself and die. What if I had Ashley put in the bulletin each Sunday this sentence, take up your cross and die. And what if I told you and everyone listening here and online every Sunday from this very pulpit, follow Jesus and die? Do you think that that would make a brilliant advertising campaign? You don't, well, I don't know, won't that bring people in and fill up this uh, holy house? Let's all go here to be told to die. Sounds good to me. Grab the kids, honey, here we go. Wouldn't such a message cause all these pews to be packed full of worshipers? Packed full. Socially distanced, of course. Wouldn't that cause offerings to be overflowing in the plates every Sunday? Okay, (laughs) I can see. Aren't you thinking to yourself right now, wow, (laughs) Pastor Ken has lost it. Or surely he is teasing us, right? I can see it in your faces. Perhaps I am. And perhaps, no, of course I'm teasing you, but you all gave me your full attention. You were wondering, where is he going with that? Well, here it is. What I just suggested will never happen, and I don't want the signs to be changed like that. But what should be put on the signs and in the bulletin is stuff that does not appeal to the world. It doesn't appeal to our senses. It surely didn't, didn't resonate with the disciples from our gospel this morning, especially Peter. Peter, on behalf of his fellow disciples, well, last week he had just confessed to Jesus that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Remember? And he got an attaboy. Peter spoke well, and and he was appropriate, and he waited until he was asked a question, and he didn't interrupt last week. In today's reading, he is back to his old, brash, impulsive self. The Lord had taught them that he, the Christ, had to go to Jerusalem to suffer many things, from the chief priests and scribes, and to be killed, and on the third day be raised. That's verse 21. And this whole thing about suffering and and being killed just didn't fit in Peter's mindset of what the Christ was supposed to be like. And he had no problem whatsoever expressing this to Jesus even though it certainly wasn't his place to do so. When did that ever stop Peter? Peter was certainly a bold man. He even dared to rebuke the Lord face to face. He said, far be it 
from you, Lord. A more accurate translation would be mercy, as if Peter was saying, may God have mercy on you, Lord. This was certainly not to happen to you, he would exclaim. Peter had the nerve to tell Jesus that he couldn't, or to tell him what he could or couldn't do. Can you imagine that? No, Lord, you're not going to die. That's, no. Imagine. Because the reason he did that is Peter didn't like what Jesus said was supposed to happen. He didn't like it. What was at work in Peter was an unholy triad. It was the unholy triad of the devil, of the world, and of his own sinful nature. The Lord knew what was on Peter's mind and in his heart. Jesus knew that it was not pure. What Peter uttered was in league with the devil. That is why our Lord called him Satan. Because the Satan did not want Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus, his crucifixion and death would mean certain defeat for Satan. So if Satan could get into the head of the spokesman for the disciples and a member of Jesus' inner circle of disciples, perhaps Jesus would be distracted from his mission and not carry through with it. Right. You know, that's pure nonsense because Jesus knows Satan very well. Satan, then known as Lucifer, was a created being, created during the six days. And he was one of God's angels. But he rebelled, as we know. And God cast him out of heaven. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. What Satan caused Peter to have in mind was a hindrance to the Lord and his mission of salvation. It was an offense. Peter thought with his flesh and his own understanding that he was doing a good thing. It was a scandal. Peter's mind was not set on the higher and the heavenly things, but on lower things, the things of man the things that we like. For this, the Lord in, his, in last week's gospel gave Simon the name Peter, meaning rock. And now he called the same Simon Satan. For Peter was doing the devil's bidding at that moment. Now what the Lord spoke of concerning himself was really not what anyone expected. They weren't ready to hear that. They didn't want to hear that. But Jesus wasn't finished. And he taught his disciples yet again. When we hear it, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's verse 24. This uh, one sentence is really heavy. It is full of things that we normally consider weird. 
But our Lord does not work as the world does. Does he? No. There are four thoughts that I I want to touch base with you on, and let's unpack them right now. The first thing is, if anyone would come after me, here the Lord is addressing anybody who wants to be his disciple, whether one of the 12 or any of those that are gathered today here in this building or listening online. Jesus is our good shepherd, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Next he says, let him deny himself. If we want to be Jesus' disciples, we need to cast aside our delusions of glory. We are to dispose of whatever ideas that we have about God that are not supported by Scripture. We need to remember that God is the creator and we are his creatures. That his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. We must allow God to do his God thing. To create, to redeem, and to sanctify us. To let him have his way with us, as he tells us in his word. Next he says, and take up his cross. Now, at the time that Jesus spoke this, crucifixions were relatively common in land that Rome ruled over. Crucifixion as you know, was a means by which the Romans executed criminals. And they, the the disciples, knew that the cross symbolized in that context. They knew that it was a bad thing, but they did not make the connection to the Lord because he had not yet been crucified. And that was still a ways off. To them, the disciples... At the time of our text, the cross meant impending doom. Imagine that. So pick up your cross. Taking up the cross meant that there would be suffering involved in being a Christian. Suffering for the name of Jesus, for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the gospel. This is the true and should be the only meaning behind the expression bearing one's cross. Listen. Listen. Only suffering as a Christian for being a Christian, only that qualifies as true true cross-bearing. Experiencing the troubles of this world that all people go through on a regular basis does not qualify as bearing your cross. That's called real life. That's called bearing the results of sin. That's not bearing the cross. 
It is experienced by real people in real situations. Christians and non-Christians have the stuff of the world down upon them. Icky stuff. Non-Christians do not bear crosses, right? They don't. They don't bear a cross. Non-believers bearing crosses is about as unlikely in these parts, in beach cities, they're about as unlikely as us to come across a grizzly bear. See what I did there? Bear across. Okay, it, it wasn't that good when I wrote it either. Okay. In short, non-Christians, Christians go through things of the world, tragedies and troubles, but they don't bear a cross, and that isn't what is meant. Next, Jesus said, and follow me. To follow Jesus is to do so unto death. The cross that Jesus would bear led to his death atop Mount Calvary. He faithfully bore his cross to the end, even to the point of being nailed to it. Our faithfully bearing the cross means, well, it means death for us. We are to follow Jesus to our own death. Jesus' words was, those of us that have been confirmed, well, actually the words that you heard in your confirmation, we publicly made the promise that we would be faithful to God. We would be faithful to his word and his sacraments, even unto death, rather than fall away from him and his means of grace. We promise that. The cross we are to take up, the cross that we are to bear, we have upon us to our own deaths. This means, this means this, that we can expect to face opposition and persecution from an unbelieving society and world. We see and hear of our God-given values and beliefs being under assault, even today, especially today. Did you ever imagine in the America that you grew up in, that going to church, attending church, would be illegal. But protesting and many times the resulting rioting, looting, and mayhem would be allowed or overlooked. Did you ever imagine that? To the world... To many in America, the Ten Commandments are offensive. And they've been removed from the people's houses, from the people's buildings, from courts. God's been declared unconstitutional. You can't have the Ten Commandments in a court of law. Our society lives, speaks, and acts as if God does not exist. And we Christians are demonized and vilified for daring to speak out against these evils of thought, word, and deed. It is hard enough for us to live God-pleasing lives on a daily basis, but it is extremely difficult to do while under the threat of death. 
but that is what we face because we have sinned against God. We face this because of the things that we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved God with our whole heart, nor have we in turn loved our neighbors as ourselves. For this we deserve God's temporal, which is his present and eternal punishment, for the wages of sin is death. Come to church and die. But death was our Lord's destination on Good Friday. We know that. That it was what he was teaching his disciples right then. It is his cross and his death that make Good Friday good. And the cross on which our Savior died is our symbol of hope and the victory that is ours in Jesus Christ. In bearing his cross to Golgotha, he took up our crosses. He bore our sins, and he died our death. You see, the death that he died was for our sins. He paid the price that we cannot pay. He paid with his very life, the life of a lamb without blemish or defect. For Jesus Christ truly was, truly is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, including your sins and my sins. He knows our life on earth. He knows that our life on earth is no bed of roses. He knows our lives are often nothing but thorns. This is why he willingly wore the crown of thorns thorns himself, bleeding from those thorns that were cutting into his skin, bleeding from the lashes that he received from the Roman soldiers, bleeding from the nails that pierced his hands and feet and put him on that rugged cross. We thank God that he sent his son to go the way of the cross but we don't cling to that cross because he isn't there. That's where he won forgiveness. And that's where the forgiveness that he gives here today in this church through his word, holy baptism, and his body and blood given in his supper. We cling to that. We cling to the promise. We don't cling to the cross Neither do we tarry to the tomb because he's not there. Why? Because we know through God's word that Christ has risen from the dead and that death has no hold over him and the tomb cannot contain him. And we know that Jesus is the victor over sin, death, and the power of the devil. Jesus took for you and for me the toughest cross of all to make our cross-bearing easier. He made it easier for us. He who calls us to take up our crosses and follow him also invites us to come to him for rest, to take upon us his yoke. 
for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He promises us rest for our souls. He gives us rest here in this house, giving us the gifts that he won on the cross for us. And those gifts are forgiveness of sins and eternal life and salvation. These are the gifts that Christ freely gives to those who believe. His thrice holy name is put upon us in the invocation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's put on us. And His name thrice is given to us and put upon us at the benediction. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's there that we get to take up our cross as we get to lift high the cross of Christ. He sends us his Holy Spirit to enable us to bear our crosses and the cross of Christ with great boldness, telling others of the love that he has first showered upon us, that we would be with him in heaven forever. That is why we're here. We are here so that we can die. For that is the goal of the Christian, to die to self so that we would be in heaven with our Lord forever. Putting it on a sign may not be a good thing, but dying is a good thing. We do it every day in our confession of our sins and being raised from the dead daily, emerging and arising as a new man. We are to be new and rejuvenated each and every day through confession and absolution. We remember our baptism. And we live in righteousness, in purity forever through his good work on that cross, through his gifts of grace and salvation through the sacrament of the altar and his good work that was given to us through holy baptism. In the name of Jesus, amen.